Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hello, you're listening to the Innovate for Impact podcast. I'm Dan Bentley. You've got Tracy Newman here as well. And today we're joined by Vicky Miller. Vicky, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely great to have you here. Before we do get into the content, just wanted to do an acknowledgement of country. I'm based just out of Melbourne, so I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which I'm located on today, and that's the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. And I too would like to acknowledge the Ghana as the custodians of the Adelaide Plains area, which is where I'm coming to from today, and would like to share your acknowledgement of elders past, present, and emerging. Great. So Vicky, would you like to tell us a little bit more about who you are and what do you do? So I'm the Chief Executive Officer for the Shake It Up Australia Foundation, Dan. I've been working in the non-profit space for a number of decades. I started my career in public relations and marketing and my first involvement with the not-for-profit space was with the Children's Medical Research Foundation back in the 1990s where I was involved with the launching of the Genes for Genes campaign for the Children's Medical Research Institute, which I think most people around Australia would be very familiar with now. It's really exciting. It must have been quite amazing to be part of something that's that well-known and and well-regarded. It was. It was a very innovative campaign um, back in those days. It came about because they had got together a group of scientists at the Children's Medical Research Institute with some of their admin team and a marketing agency, and they were looking to develop some sort of innovative marketing and fundraising campaign to fund research. And they came up with the words genes for genes. They didn't know what they were going to do with that concept other than they might look at getting some celebrity genes. So they wrote to a few celebrities around the world and they got Mick Jagger's genes initially and a couple of others. Then they put it out to tender for a marketing agency to come on board and run a campaign. And my PR agency at the time, which is my own business, we pitched for that account and and one of my strategies was that I wanted to have a pro bono client in the not-for-profit space. And so that was my first charitable account and I, I did that on a pro bono basis, won the account, launched the campaign and then grew it from there and eventually uh, I ended up on the board of the Children's Medical Research Institute. So there in lines lies the origins of the campaign and it's gone from strength to strength and I think, I don't know what they're at now, but I know they were up around the $60 million I think or more in what they've raised since that started. So, you know, I think that was one of the real original success stories in terms of charitable national fundraising and awareness campaigns. I get very nostalgic when you told me originally about that you were a part of that Genes for Genes campaign because I remember that was one of my favourite days of the, the school year. I was in primary school when that was out in the 90s and I remember when that was on, I was like, oh, this is awesome. You can wear your jeans to school tomorrow. How good's that? I only had to yeah. bring like a donation. It's fantastic. So, yeah. It's a, it's a very well-known and a very successful campaign. I think it was really what orchestrated the whole Mufti Day thing at, in corporates as well, you know, the Jeans for Jeans campaign, and then it went on to be the Mufti Day at corporates and people followed suit. But it was, it was a great campaign because it went across all age 
brackets, you know, genes are genes, aren't they? Everybody everybody has the genetic version of genes, but everybody has a pair of denim genes in their wardrobe as well. And it doesn't matter whether you're a, you know, a two-year-old or a or an 80-year-old, most of us have got a pair of jeans in our wardrobe. So it was just a really good campaign because it went about across such a broad breadth. What I love also is the fact that it was created in collaboration with, you know, some some scientists and some admin people and some marketing agencies. And, and it just goes to show that when you bring together people with a different range of perspectives and ex- life experiences, all sorts of magical, clever things can happen. I think that's a really important point, Tracy, and I've, that's something that's really been the underlying of all of the work that I've done in the not-for-profit space, and it's the word collaboration. You really don't succeed in the not-for-profit space unless you collaborate across a, a whole lot of areas in your business, and it's bringing people together around the table to discuss and collaborate that brings success. And so Genes for Genes was my first real experience in that because we brought researchers, we brought corporates, we brought individuals, we brought schools, we brought mums and dads, you know, everybody came to the table to make that a success. So that was a really good lesson for me very early on in my work in the not-for-profit space. Yeah, cool. And then what are you up to these days? So I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Shaken Up Australia Foundation and we are the largest non-government funder of Parkinson's research in Australia. I've been with the foundation for six and a half years I took on the CEO role just over six months ago and I really love this role for a number of reasons. The business model around our organisation, which was set up by our founder and chairman, Clyde Campbell, he was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's back in 2009 and Clyde's a very innovative entrepreneurial individual. He's a robotics engineer by trade and he'd built a number of successful businesses So when he was diagnosed, he was um, in his early 40s, married, three children, a couple of businesses, fit and healthy. It really, you know, took him for a shock when he was diagnosed because he thought he had a long, healthy life ahead of him. So once he got over that shock, he decided to go into engineering mode, which is give me a problem and I'll find a solution. And he did his own research internationally. What he found was that there are a lot of very good researchers in Australia who wanted to work in the Parkinson's space but they were underfunded. There was just no funding available for them. The government were not funding Parkinson's. And so his international search took him to the US to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And what he found was that everybody internationally, they were doing the most work, the most innovative work. They had the most funding. They had the scientific oversight in place. They were looking at milestones, making sure that anything they funded was you know, being managed and monitored and that there were outcomes and that they were encouraging international collaboration amongst the research community so that the money that was being spent on research was non-redundant. One of the issues across the various fields of chronic illness with research is you'll often find that research is siloed within an institution or an organisation and researchers are not sharing what they're learning in their research because they want the IP. So therefore, there's, it's being duplicated around the world. So a lot of money is wasted on research where it might be being done in Australia, it might be being done in the US, it might be being do, done in Europe. And they're doing research in similar areas, but they're not talking to one another. And, you know, you can learn a lot by collaborating and sharing and saving money, you know, so that you don't get to a dead end and have to go back and go down another avenue. So the Fox Foundation is very focused on making anyone they fund with research collaborate internationally and share information. So Clyde spent the next 12 months developing a relationship with the Fox Foundation 
because what he realised was if he could set up a foundation in Australia and fund Australian Parkinson's research, that would help people in Australia with Parkinson's. It would help the research community here. But he didn't want to duplicate what was already existing in the US. So by forming a partnership with the Fox Foundation, we could take advantage of the scientific oversight, which is a really important part of managing your research spending. They would manage the milestones and we could co-fund. So it took him a year to get to a point where he finally got to make a presentation to the Fox Foundation board and Michael J. Fox was at that meeting. And when it got to Michael's vote, he said, Clyde, you've got purity of motive, so you've got my vote. And he got it over the line and they formed a partnership and that was how the Shake It Up Australia Foundation was born. And since that time, we have co-funded 72 projects worth $27 million in Australian Parkinson's research and we've made a lot of progress over the last 12 years. So that was a really great outcome that Clyde achieved and we've built since then a very, very strong relationship with the Fox Foundation who now hold Clyde in very high esteem and Clyde is included in all of the major strategic meetings and discussions that take place internationally with the Fox Foundation. He's just been overseas to the to the UK to participate in the International Linked Clinical Trials, which takes place every year, which is a meet of the senior players in the Parkinson's space around the world, including the Fox Foundation, Cure Parkinson's in the UK and, and others around the world. And what they do at that meeting is prioritise drugs that they can see coming through the pipeline that can either be repurposed or are newly developed drugs that have the potential to slow or stop disease progression. And they prioritise and rank those drugs and look at how they can accelerate those into clinical trials around the world. And so we're a, a key player in that international link clinical trials community because of what Clyde established 12 years ago with the Fox Foundation. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. I'm going to take you back because I couldn't get over when you, when you mentioned at the beginning how it took 12 months to build a relationship that got to the point where Clyde was actually able to make this presentation. And I love that he persisted through that period of time because I think sometimes collaboration takes time and it takes time because of the, the need to build a relationship and to have that trust. But what I heard was that it, it took time to build that relationship, but what he's been able to achieve as a result of that relationship has probably saved him many more than those 12 months in terms of being able to really accelerate the work that's happening both here in Australia, but also being able to contribute at that international stage. That's definitely the case, Tracy. Before we established the foundation and that partnership, the Fox Foundation had only funded three research projects in Australia. Now we're at 72. And the Australian research community know that one of the avenues for gaining research funding for Parkinson's in Australia, one of the, the main avenues, is through Shake It Up and the Fox Foundation. As I said, you know, grant funding through the NH and MRC, which is really their main other avenue for funding, has a 6% success rate. 
and it takes them a long time to put together one of those applications. So, you know, without the funding that Shake It Up and the Fox Foundation have provided over that 12 years, we'd be nowhere in Australia. And that's why we are the largest non-government funder here in Australia. So, and I think it goes back to Clyde's engineering background, that whole give me a problem and I'll, I'll find you a solution attitude. That's his approach to life. And it's also his approach to managing his Parkinson's. You know, he lives well with his Parkinson's. You know, it's a challenging disease to live with. But, you know, he approaches it in a very positive frame of mind and that's what he did to build that relationship. And you're right, it's been built over those 12 years on trust. And I think if you were to speak to anybody at the Fox Foundation, that's what they would say now is that the underlying basis of this relationship is based on trust and that's been built over that 12 years and it's a very strong relationship because of that. Clyde and I have just returned from Barcelona from the World Parkinson's Congress which the Fox Foundation were at. And so we were over there and able to, you know, be face-to-face with our colleagues there. The World Parkinson's Congress, there were 3,000 attendees from around the world. It's only held once every three years and it's different to most other congresses in that it brings together under the one roof researchers, allied health professionals practising in the Parkinson's space, leaders of organisations in the space like ourselves and, and Fox and Cure Parkinson's and others around the world, people with Parkinson's and their carers. They're all under the one roof for five days and they're all able to go to all the same sessions. So somebody with Parkinson's can go to a very scientific, deep dive research presentation on the latest research. They may not necessarily understand it in detail, but they can attend the session and they can sit next to one of the world's most brilliant scientists beside them who might also be in that same session. And the scientists actually get to speak to people with Parkinson's. And one of the things we found in Australia with funding these researchers is that often those researchers are in a lab. They're doing their lab work. They've never met somebody with Parkinson's. So for them to be in an environment like that where they meet, they see, they hear, they can talk to people with Parkinson's, it's really valuable to have that collaboration around the whole table. And we in Australia, Shake It Up, funded 33 early career researchers working in the Parkinson's space to attend the World Parkinson's Congress because we believe in supporting the researchers of the future here in Australia. We funded more early career researchers to attend the WPC than any other country in the world, including the US, which was a really big thing. And those researchers, the feedback I'm getting from them was, you know, the fact that they were able to attend, they all had to submit an abstract and their abstract had to be accepted and the abstracts for Australia were of a very high quality. But for those young researchers, many of them are only in their 20s, attending an event like that and mixing with the level of scientists there and and individuals with Parkinson's was just an um, amazing experience for them. And the feedback I've had from them since is how grateful they are and how much they gained from that experience. So it's going to be interesting now to watch how they interpret what they've learnt and how they you know, how that informs their research moving forward and where they go on their on their research journey in Australia. But I'm confident that we've got some really great researchers here in Australia working at the top of the field internationally. One of the things that I like that you said earlier, Vicky, was around how you've got so much funding and you pull that funding between the organisations, but you, you have to try and work out, well, which of these different you know, researchers' ideas or, or things that they're working on do we think is going to be a winner? And you're, you're sort of having to go through a process to choose 
those rather than try and spread that funding really thinly. What are some of the innovative sorts of things that are coming through that pipeline because you have been working in this way and, and backing those, those best researchers? Uh, so there's a few things what we looked at in terms of where we wanted to go with that accelerated approach and the innovation. So one of the things that's been an issue in Australia for a long time is that big pharma who may be developing new drug therapies that may be of benefit to people with Parkinson's, and we're looking at therapies now that are going to slow or stop disease progression, we'll always continue to fund basic science, which is around you know biomarkers and treatments to better manage symptoms. But Obviously, the, the thing that's going to benefit people living with Parkinson's now and in the future is a drug therapy that's going to slow or stop their disease progressing. And once we get to that point, we'll have more information about how we can reverse it. So that's our focus at the moment. But Australia's never been seen as a viable destination to run clinical trials by Big Pharma because we're a long way away in the Southern Hemisphere and we don't have the population numbers. So that was our first challenge. So last year, we funded the Australian Parkinson's Genetics Study out of the Queensland Institute for Medical Research. And that contributes to what's known as the Global Parkinson's Genetic Study, known as GP2, which is run by the Fox Foundation out of the US. What they're looking to do is genotype 150,000 people with Parkinson's disease to better understand the genetic makeup of the disease. There are a lot of different genetic mutations that contribute to Parkinson's. Not everybody will have a genetic mutation that has Parkinson's, but there's, you know, upwards of more than 15 different genetic mutations that we know of and more being discovered. So it's a very important part of understanding the disease to then be able to better treat people with these new drug therapies coming through the pipeline. So we funded that study. We co-funded it with the Fox Foundation last year. They wanted to genotype 10,000 Australians and 10,000 cohorts. So cohorts are healthy people that don't have Parkinson's or a genetic link to Parkinson's. So we're on track now. We're in year two of that funding. We're on track to meet that 10,000 target over the next 12 months, and that contributes to that 150,000 around the world. So that was the first thing. And in establishing that database of 10,000 people with uh, Parkinson's, and we asked those people to tick a box if they would like to participate in clinical trials, So more than 90%, I think it's around 96% of people who have done the the Australian Parkinson's genetic study have ticked the yes box. We want to participate in clinical trials. So at the moment, I think our recruitment numbers are around 7,000. So we've got 7,000 people here who've said, yes, we want to participate in a clinical trial. That's a game changer to pharmaceutical companies, you know, who want to operate in Australia because they now know we've got that information. And whilst we don't know who the individuals are, we know what the makeup of their genetic screening is. So if we have somebody coming in who's got a clinical trial and they need a certain profile of person with Parkinson's to participate, we can match that data to that trial so that those individuals can then be mailed and say, hi, you tick the box to say that you were interested in participating in a clinical trial. We have a trial in Australia that's about to start and they're looking for somebody who matches your genetic profile. If you would like to participate in the trial, here's a link to more information. Please read the information. Go and discuss it with your neurologist or your GP. And if you'd like to participate, there's a link there that you can click on where you can register to participate in the trial. So that's how that process works and that makes us then a much more attractive destination. So that ticked the first box. The second thing then was 
how do we then make sure that once those trials come to Australia, that we have the clinical trial sites, the neurologists, clinicians ready to facilitate those trials? Because there's nothing worse than you know having the trial ready to go and not being able to recruit enough people to participate because you don't have the clinical trial sites ready to go. So we've built um, a clinical trials subcommittee of leading clinicians in Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. And what we're doing at the moment is building what would be best practice model for a clinical trial site moving forward where we can duplicate that around Australia uh, so that we've got that set up as well for these clinical trials. And we've got a few clinical trials that will be coming to Australia, one really great one that will be recruiting probably in November. That will be run out of Adelaide. We've got a site in Adelaide as well. And then another one that will be a national trial starting later this year as well. And we're looking now at bringing more of those new drug therapies to Australia that look like they have the potential to slow or stop disease progression. So it's been a process, but that's where our our major funding, what which we call our Catalyst Program, has focused on that project, whilst our, our ongoing funding that we get in through donations and fundraising from the general community continues to fund the basic science that we co-fund with the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I think that's really clever what you've done there. You've kind of looked at it, gone, okay, this is the system that we're operating in and we've kind of got these barriers at the moment that are stopping us from getting what we need for this to be successful in Australia. And you've sort of isolated those, looked at them as problems. You've gone, how do we change the circumstances so that it makes sense for these big pharmaceutical companies to do that and actually change that environment? I think that's a really clever way of doing it. Sometimes we often just try and work around obstacles like that, but I really like how you've proactively gone to remove those obstacles from the people that you need that assistance from. Yeah, and in terms of raising the money that we needed to fund all of that that work that we're doing, you know, the business model that Clyde set up in the very beginning for our foundation was that the founding directors, which were Clyde and his brother Greg, would fund all of our administration costs so that 100% of all donations to the foundation actually go direct to research. And we co-fund with the Fox Foundation. So essentially every dollar that you donate in Australia is matched by another dollar from the Fox Foundation when we fund research. So that business model, that funding model has been very good in terms of growing our fundraising revenue to put us in a strong position to be able to to fund these larger projects, these larger pieces of work. Um, knowing that when you're funding research, you know, a lot of research projects will go for two or three years. So when you make the commitment to fund, you've got to make sure that you've got the funding in place for those milestone payments three years down the track, as well as having funding aside to be able to act on these innovative pieces that might come out of the blue that we don't want to, you know, slip through our fingers as well. So, you know, it is a real, it's a real balancing act in terms of managing our fundraising dollars and making sure that we've always got sufficient revenue sitting there ready to be able to act on those opportunities as they arise. And taking advantage of those international partnerships, you know, now we approach the Fox Foundation and say, we've identified a project, will you co-fund with us, which has happened. And same with Kew Parkinson's in the UK, you know, we're working with them and looking at opportunities where we can do some co-funding with the Kew Parkinson's as well in terms of the international link clinical trial opportunities. Vicky, that's so interesting. I, I really like that approach that the organisation has where you, you can just sort of see you're collaborating across all these different organisations that have a similar mission 
And instead of all trying to reinvent the wheel in all these different locations, you've sort of got this way more powerful group that is all working together and pooling its resources and making sure that you're out there to solve the problem. No matter which organization is leading that, it's important that we actually just get what we need to help make this disease have less of an impact on the people that are diagnosed with it. So I think that's absolutely amazing work and very interesting to hear how that all sort of goes on behind the scenes. If there's anyone out there would like to learn more about the organization and the work, where's the best place for them to go? They can visit our website, Dan, which is shakeitup.org.au. There's a lot of information in there about Parkinson's, but we have a big section on our research. So you can have a look at every single research project we funded from the day we we started. So all of the research is there and you can follow that. There's also a really good podcast. One of We have a, a great stable of ambassadors and advocates and fundraising heroes. One of our ambassadors is Amy Ruffle, who is a, a well-known comedian and, and actor in Australia. Um, Amy's dad has Parkinson's and she has a good podcast on there. So there's another podcast on there of people and researchers. So that's interesting for people to gain more information about what we do. And of course, we're always looking for people to help us raise awareness and funds so that we can continue the good work that we're doing. We have an annual awareness and fundraising campaign called Pause for Parkinson's, which runs every year in the month of April. So people may like to get involved in that. And of course, we welcome donations at any time. And if people are interested in funding our Catalyst program, which is the major donor category, I'm happy to have an individual conversation with anyone at any time about that and how they can get involved with that. Perfect. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes to some of the things that you just spoke about then so that people can click straight through and check that out. Hey, thanks so much for for coming on the show and thanks for being so generous with your time and sharing what's happening at Shake It Up. It sounds really interesting and we're looking forward to seeing how it all goes as the work progresses. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I've enjoyed having a chat. Thanks, Vicky. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.